Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. College Football Pod just finished. Ken Thompson's best show this year for sure. Maybe one of his best shows ever. Brad, not so much. Got beat up a little bit today. He had a great week last week winning with his premium picks, late releases. But man, oh man, got beat up. Now, Fez gave his picks, wasn't here, and it won't be for college for a while because... The fact is, is he was getting beat up in the NFL by me, and he's doing a study day on Tuesday. But he's still giving his picks. I went against him twice, green button style, and I think I got the best of it. And we actually baited Braddon, me and Ken on one side, Faz on the other, in absentia, and Brad only had a lean, and we just were like making fun of his manhood, finally got him to press the button, and then we laughed at him for pressing the button. It was great. I can't lie. One quick message about DSI. Now, listen, we've said this a few times. Every week you let pass, you're missing out on value. Now, what is the definition of value? It's not about winning and losing in the short term. It's about being in winning and losing situations. If you bet plus three and a half and there's a plus four out there, if bet DSI, for example, had a plus four, doesn't matter if the game falls four or not. You've lost value because in the long run, inevitably, yes, I said it, there's no doubt the game's going to fall four sometimes. And in that case, you're going to push instead of lose, which is even more valuable because you avoid the minus 110 payout or pay off. That's value. And what's the cost? Well, nothing. In fact, you get something, 100% promo. Just got to use the promo code, BELL101, all one word, BELL101. It's betdsi.com. And the beauty of that is you put some money in whatever amount, your $20 better, put the amount commensurate with that, whatever, five you and put 100 in, whatever you, you know, feel is right. In no way are we saying put more in. We never do that crap. If you're going to bet anyway, though, why not have more outs? BetDSI.com, 100% bonus match, promo code BELL101. On to this lively college football pod. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. And that's right. College football week four with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, with all the college knowledge, Brad Powers. To my right, Ken Thompson. These are the 24th Pythons. The largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. And I'm R.J. Bell. We've gotten great feedback on the new system. So if you're new or if you missed the last couple weeks, we have two shows. As an homage to the old sports center, the big show. And it's got everything except the really off the beaten track stories, which go in their own pod, which we haven't released one of those yet. But we do have about 40 minutes in the can. Poor Brad and Fez. (laughs) 
You're supposed to say, no, RJ, it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> no, RJ, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> we've got the Picks Pod, which Sleepy J does the editing, clip, clip, clip. Usually cuts in about half. If you want that, it comes out usually about a day later, which we're trying to get it out earlier. We'll see. Same thing, NFL. I also got some feedback. Everyone's going to have a critique. They said, get into the stuff. And I kind of get that because this beginning is going to have to be uh, in both or is in both the pods. So I guess usually it is. So let's. I'm going to try to start things off faster too. So then if we take lefts or rights, eh, if you're on the pick pod, you won't be bothered with. And again, what we're seeing is over 80% of the people want the big show. But whatever you want, we want to give it to you in the best format we can. Hi, my name is Brad Powers. Last week's best bet for me, pushed on Virginia, brings my record on best bets to now 0-2-1. Slow start to the college football season. But what about your what about your personal bets? Personal bets? No bets. Nobody wants to bet me. So, so that's how you're taking. Not that you're afraid. Yeah, to, I think. To, yeah, I, I mean, because I want try, some action. I'm always trying to bet you. And well, you got me on some NFL stuff, aren't well, you? Well, obviously. Yeah. Can. <laughs> KT made a bad bet with RJ way back when with four games on September the 14th, and I knew I was up against the big time. All four of those teams got smashed. So what was the closest one? Uh, I think with, boy, I'm trying to, Syracuse got blown out, Indiana got blown out, UCLA got blown out, and South Carolina, probably the closest, 24. 24 So if I would have said all four of these teams are going to win by 24 or more, how much would you have, uh, what kind of um, Well, South Carolina is the only one that covered. Okay. By, by a point. Yeah. But you would have given me, if I would have said all four of these are going to win by 24 or more, you would have given me massive plush money. Oh, right? major. Yeah. <sighs> all right. <laughs> and, and, and I also had the same best bet as Brad, and we got very fortunate to push with Virginia against Florida State. And I, I'm RJ, and I won again. <laughs> Showtime! Woo! Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas favored by five and a half in this game. Brad, you've had some strong opinions on Texas. First, what did you see? Because they didn't cover in that LSU game. Yeah, I've actually been all right with Texas. I mean, I did come into the season saying Texas is the most overrated team in the country. I I don't no longer think that's the case. I still think Texas may be slightly overrated. As far as, you know, an AP poll vote, they certainly are. Number 12 this week in the AP poll, I do not have Texas in my top 15 when it comes to that. But in Hold the, on, they're 16? 16 or 17. Well, you have your power ratings, right? Yeah, 17. Okay. Yeah, Why would we get the exact number? 17. So they're 12, 17. That's the biggest disagreement? Five, no, five not, that's not the biggest disagreement. Oh, it's just I'm just, a disagreement. Yeah, and it, one of the disagreements with the AP poll. But it, I'm, what I'm saying is I still think they're overrated when it comes to an AP poll. But when it comes to the Vegas market, to me, RJ, at least this is what I've seen the last couple weeks, including that LSU game, I'm a little bit higher on Texas than the actual Vegas market. So if you would have had to bet that, did it get to seven against LSU? Nah, I never really saw any seven. All right, so at six and a half, if you had to bet that game, who would you have bet? I would have bet Texas. But you didn't. I did not. I like Texas, too. And it was, I mean, they were, they were close to covering, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I hate I'm talking about not the score, 
Because it was, yes, but I'm yeah. talking about the way the game played. Absolutely. RJ, third LSU's last touchdown was a third and 18 pass, where actually if he doesn't run for a touchdown, he just falls on the ground. LSU basically can run out the clock. You would have won that and one. And split instant from him getting hit and fumbling that ball or, or just uh, getting sacked. So, yeah, it was a fortunate play, and it all looks good in the box score. But you're right, that rather deceiving there. So, Ken, you actually like Texas here. I do like Texas. I like the way Sam Ellinger plays. I mean, the guy's got 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. He rushes the ball hard. Ingram's good. Uh, Colin Johnson is back, and that helps the receiving core. Duvernay and Eagles already doing a good job. And I think Oklahoma State going up in class here. Struggled with Tulsa last week, down a point at the half. Now, did shut him out in the second half. Again, big brother, Oklahoma State to Tulsa, but not going to have that same big brother against Texas. In fact, I think it may be the other way around when they play in Austin. And so I look for Texas to man up. Look, they had their taste of LSU. They lost once in Austin. Hard for that team under Herman to lose twice at home. I think they shut down Chubba Hubbard, who's been outstanding over 500 yards for Oklahoma State, and put the burden on Sanders, the young quarterback, see what he can do with the receiving core, Wallace and Stoner. And I think that's where Texas is going to win this game by double digits. I lean with Texas here. So so let me jump in. Yeah. I had a question. Yeah, You said it's going to be hard for Herman to lose twice at home. That sounds like on the surface, and I think there's more to it, it sounds like someone that says they're due or, you know, no way it's going to be five straight heads after four. It's like the classic, what's the chance on the fifth flip? Well, it's 50-50. But these are humans. I could see your point if Herman's going to say, guys, we can't let, we can't have our home field desecrated. like, that. And thus it's a motivational element. Is that it, or is there another reason Texas doesn't lose two at home? Well, because you're playing LSU. You're playing one of the top five teams in the country. You lose that game. Now it's like, look. We had that. There's no room for air. That's exactly right. That's it. We take care of business. This is our turf. We can still get in the playoff if we run the table. And that was Tom Herman in the postgame says, hey, we still have everything in front of us as far as our goals of winning a Big 12 championship, getting to a college football playoff. Yes, we would have liked to to won that game. It definitely hurt to lose, but only losing by a touchdown to a top five LSU team. Everything's still in front of Texas. And, RJ, they could beat Oklahoma twice, and Oklahoma could go unblemished outside of those two games, and then Texas all of a sudden puts themselves back in the playoff talk. Hmm, well, yeah, if they beat Oklahoma twice and Good Oklahoma's luck. under. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um Okay, Brad, so you said you have a lean. Yeah, I'm going to lean with uh, Texas here. And I'm going to use maybe yeah, – RJ's not going to like this. They're due. But here's the, the reality between Oklahoma State and Texas. Oklahoma State's beaten Texas four straight years. But three of those games were decided by exactly three points apiece. And I think this is – a, a moment here for Sam Ellinger to come full circle. Two years ago, one of his first career starts, he's at home, and it's in overtime against Oklahoma State, and Sam Ellinger throws one of the worst interceptions that I've ever seen, just straight up threw it to a guy right in the end zone, had no business throwing the ball. And now two years later, a guy that Sam Ellinger broke the Big 12 record for not throwing an interception as far as 300-plus passes without an interception last year, hasn't thrown an interception this year. I think he atones for that mistake. And this is actually... A game, I know LSU was circled for Texas, but after playing Rice a week ago, this is another circle game, in my opinion, for Texas. They get revenge. Okay, so when you say do, it's it's that the marketplace is going to see the the number of wins of the opponent and overreact to, and those were generally coin flip games. Yes. So not really do, rather there's a mispricing because of... Exactly. Yeah, so... And that's fascinating to think about because there is a difference between this is going to affect the way the game is played versus this is going to affect the price. Meaning, if you gave me 
seven points on any team, I wouldn't have to know any, you know, from the spread. Spreads 10, I get 17. If I want, you know, favorite, I, I, I have to lay three. You give me that, I'll let you pick the teams till you're blue. Yep. Obviously, right? That shows you some things are about pricing and some things are about playing on the field. So you might say, oh, there's been a change of coaching or I heard you, uh, oh, I guess this might be your, is your best bet uh, involve the Irish? It does. Okay. So there'll be an example when we get to that in which we say, oh, there's, there's this on the field handicap. What you're saying about being due has nothing to do with the field. Agree. It's got to do with pricing. Exactly, RJ. And, and it's, it's, That's why I love RJ. He just can clear it up. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, to me, I think about it through the framework. Yep. All right, let's see. Fez, his notes are a pass, he says. <laughs> it's not a big enough game for him. Right. <laughs> the night game on ABC. Next, yeah, BYU, Washington. Washington favored on the road by six. Brad, you like this game. I like Washington. So let's just compare lines here. Last week, USC's at BYU. USC's about a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite. Now we have a Washington team one week later laying five-and-a-half, six points. And if you tell me on a neutral field, Washington, USC, and Washington's going to be a one-and-a-half or two-point favorite, I would have one of my biggest bets of the year on Washington. So there's some mispricing here. And I look at the situation. Well, Washington's coming in off a blowout win over Hawaii. They're well-rested here. BYU's coming off back-to-back outright upsets in overtime over Tennessee and USC. How much do they have left in the tank here? And what I've seen, RJ, as far as BYU, they have a lot of success against teams that aren't, what I say, buttoned up. As far as like coaching, the USC's, the Tennessee's of the world that aren't the best well-coached teams in the country. But when BYU plays a team that plays great defense, special teams, doesn't turn it over, a lot of the qualities that Washington has, BYU really struggles, and we've seen it when they play Utah, a very similar style team to Washington. I like the situational spot here for Washington, and I've heard duct tape choose people say, oh, Washington might be looking ahead to USC. I couldn't disagree with that more. How could they be looking ahead to USC when they're playing the team that just beat USC a week ago? I think Washington's focused, and they roll over BYU, much like they did a year ago. And I would think when you beat USC – and now everyone was talking Tennessee because Tennessee had lost. If Tennessee hadn't lost the week before, I mean, what was the line in that Tennessee? Like three or four, right? Yep. So it was a very mild up. Yes. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have gotten the attention if Tennessee hadn't lost the week before. Agree. So now BYU looks good because of that. And then beating you. I mean, if, really, if you think about it, that's about as two of the biggest upsets you could pull. And the to, lines are short. To get attention yeah. is what I'm yes. saying. Is it, because, and you're saying the USC line was? Four. Yeah. But everyone's talking BYU because Tennessee had lost the first game. And then because USC's USC. And like you said, they exceeded expectations by what in those games? By less than a touchdown in <laughs> yeah. each? They won by three in both games. Yeah. So I guess a little bit more in the Well, USC. six and seven points. Yeah. So if you really think about it, has there ever been a team in the last five years where their ATS margin over the course of two games was, what does it add up to? 13 points. Yeah. If you exceed expectation by 13 points in two games and get the profile BYU's getting, I think that's just a value kind of play to fade. 
I'm I'm actually leaning to Washington because I knew Brad liked this game, and I'll tell you right now that's the only reason that I didn't. Are you afraid lean- to bat me? Go against me? No, but here's the thing. I want action. There's, on a, there's a couple things. BYU. First. Are you saying he's yeah. leaning to Washington? I'm, yeah. leaning to, yeah, I'm leaning to Washington, but I. I trust your judgment as far as Washington. You were dead on Washington last week against Hawaii. You said they're going to blow them out. You were right. They dominated that game. But BYU, to me, there's a couple intangibles, the reason I don't play Washington. Number one, I think Provo is one of the best home field advantages in the country when the team's playing well. And they will be packed, and they will be looking forward to this game, and they're coming off the win. So why it was a tougher game, yes, they're coming off the win. Washington's still wondering how good they are after the home loss to Cal. Yeah, they beat up on Hawaii, but we don't know how good Jacob Eason is yet. Let's find out this week, so that's why I'm leaning. Zach Wilson, to me, 19-year-old kid for BYU, the quarterback, this kid is a magician. He makes plays that most people can't make. And you have Tyson Williams, a transfer from South Carolina. It's a very good running back. They do things fundamentally sound. They make plays when you don't think they're going to make plays. And they came up big against Southern Cal with three interceptions. So that's why I just leaned to Washington. And I might have buried the lead here. I think my strongest handicap is that we talked about BYU just being, you know, exceeding expectations as far as the ATS spread, six and seven points. They've been extremely fortunate to even be in that spot. If you look at and believe in, you know, the percent chance of winning the Tennessee game with 20 seconds left in the game, if you believe the probabilities that the ESPN and all these have, 0.1% chance BYU. They're backed up inside their own 20. Somehow they get a long pass, set up a field goal. Very fortunate there. And last week, BYU was plus three in turnovers in a game that ended up going to overtime. A really close game, plus three in turnovers. So fortunate there to take advantage of a true freshman quarterback, BYU. And an advantage coaching. There's no question Chris Peterson against uh, you know Sataki for sure. Fezzik's analysis, he says, lean Washington, lean. <laughs> and he says, scheduling edge. Wait, scheduling edge. Washington, easy game versus Hawaii. BYU, four straight game as an underdog. And their last two in overtime. I'm Fezzik. Oh, and I'm RJ. Okay, now, <laughs> I this feels like a big game to me. Meaning, I like Washington. I mean, I'm just listening to the handicap. Brian, I know you got one other game you like as a best bet. Would this be your second strongest game? It is. Okay, okay. Ken, what, it's just fear of BYU at home. Fear of BYU at home and also a magical quarterback. Zach Wilson, to me, is one of these so you're quarterbacks. You're saying you would never fade BYU? He's a Steve BYU. Young type. No, I wouldn't fade him in this game because Washington is not the same Washington team we've seen in years past. RJ, nine new starters on defense. They don't have that guy, that linebacker, that normally makes plays. How about their top four tacklers or DBs? Okay, that- so, so what you're saying, what you're saying is that it's a matchup. Is on the field with a quarterback like BYU has. You need a stud you know, kind of the, the ch- a chaser or whatever. Not in every a middle play. linebacker. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm not sold on their linebacking core, and that's always been a strength for Washington in years past. But right now, four secondary players lead them in tackles. That's not happening with Washington mm. in years past. That's interesting. All right, next game, Michigan State, Northwestern. Huh. So, Brad, finally, you started out slow. You had a really good week last yep. week, 4-1-1. One, and one. Yep. But you had a, who was your loser? Michigan State. Michigan State, nine and a half against Northwestern, <laughs> Michigan State on the road. So what happened? Well, I've, I've been kind of on that teeter-totter as far as walking the tightrope with Michigan State's offense. Coming- whoa, whoa, you didn't walk the tightrope. You, you laid the 13 and a half, best bat on the radio. Yes. And you were bragging. 
on Friday. Yes, uh, I gave this uh, Northwestern out uh, earlier in the week at 13 and a half. Uh, 14 yeah. and a half now. That went 15 and a half. All right. So now it's time for comeuppance. Explain to us what happened on the field. What, what did you get wrong? Two things. Michigan State's offense isn't that much better than what it's been the last couple of years. Because I was listening to your handicap last week. And you told me they had like like the first game they weren't so good, yeah. And then the second game they looked pretty good. It's well, like, they hadn't shown an offensive performance like that. This was Michigan State against Western Michigan week two. Michigan State, I mean, was struggling to score fourteen points last year, even against Rutgers at the end of the year. They put up fifty on Western Michigan. I'm like, here we go. Here's so, that so Michigan you're literally State offense. Saying, what was the line in that game? Uh, they were laying sixteen. So against a team, they're laying sixteen points. Yep. They put up 50, and I'm not saying that's not exceeding expectations, but that's all the proof you had that they were heading in the right direction. That sounds pretty square, right? But I guess not, because if you're telling me that never happens... First time in five years they had that kind of offensive performance. Yeah, then that means something, I guess. And that's it. It's just the offense. No, the second thing is Jaden Daniels. He's the Arizona State quarterback. He's a true freshman, and my expectation was... This kid will get rattled against an elite defense and the first row. rattle kid. <laughs> well, Jaden Daniels didn't rattle because in the biggest moment, in the biggest drive of that game, Jaden Daniels made the biggest plays. Fourth and 13 scramble for a first down on that touchdown drive for Arizona State. And most importantly, zero, zero turnovers out of a true freshman quarterback on the road. What about start. all the revenge for the heat loss? Well. There wasn't that was that never came to fruition. So how how's Arizona State doing? You think since I was high on them? Uh, Herm Edwards, all these second year coaches struggling at Tennessee and UCLA and Florida State. The one guy that's really exceeded expectations, Herm Edwards, Arizona State. I'm a believer in this stuff. I'm a believer. Kids are maybe it's not TV these days, right? But it's it's video. Kids are watching ESPN and they grow up with a guy like that. He's like a hero to them. And Marvin Lewis now coming over from the Bengals. He's on that staff as well. So you bring in a couple NFL guys and kids that are there saying, if we listen to these guys, we got a chance to go to the NFL. They got connections. And Jane Daniels is the highest rated quarterback recruit Arizona State's ever had. So I, I just think the, the head coach is a CEO position yep. now. And there's the celebrity CEOs are big. Mac Brown's doing a good job already. Year one at North Carolina, very similar situation. I think so. What do you think, Ken? I'd lean Northwestern here. I'm not sold on Hunter Johnson, their quarterback, the transfer. Everybody thought this kid was going to be great. Drake Anderson out of the backfield is doing a pretty so, good job. Uh, you know, I apologize. But- you like this game, right? Brian? I do. And I, were you explicit about? I was kind of busted no, about I was Texas. talking about Michigan State yeah. last week. So why don't we do this? Like yeah. Ken finish, but yeah. but then we got to like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just leaning because of that Michigan State offense that's non-existent. It's hard to you know watch a team at home struggle when they know that people have them pitted to potentially win the East in the uh, Big Ten and have a shot at the playoff by knocking out Ohio State, Michigan. And I know RJ, you're Ohio State. You're thinking there's never going to. A chance of that happening, but Willikis and Batchy, two of the best defensive players in the country on that Michigan State defense, Willikis maybe the best defensive tackle. They've done their job. It's the offense that has just looked absolutely atrocious. You kept waiting for them to get something going, to get a spark, maybe two drives in a row. They couldn't get one drive to where they really looked like a cohesive offense. So I can't touch Michigan State right now. Boy, my boy, Dad. <laughs> boy, oh boy, day's looking good. Yeah, looking good. Is. I actually pulled some tape, a little bit oh, of tape. On me? Uh, or you? Well, more me. All right. But 
Do, is a high state or are they now they're the playing Miami Ohio? It's a thirty-eight point spread. Okay, so here's what I'll do: is um, Brad, you can give your like, and then I'll play that tape for. Okay, us. I like Northwestern here, and the first thing that I thought this of, does feel square because like you no, make a big bet, and now you're no. mad at him, and you're gonna get your money yeah. back. No, it's, it has nothing to do with uh-huh. that. So let's just talk. We're gonna talk some history here because the first thing that came to my mind: Michigan State's nine and a half. With a total of 39.5, do I really want to lay that kind of number with a low total? So I queried it up, RJ. Teams in college football, this goes back as far as the database goes when it comes to totals, about 15 years. Teams that are laying a touchdown or more with a total of 43 or less. So getting near a bigger favorite with a low total. Those teams, 43% with a 300-plus game sample size. Laying a touchdown or more with a low total of 43 or less. Because of that, I am liking Northwestern. Now that's fascinating because in the NFL, this is exactly. this is an old, at least in the NFL, wise tale. So let's go through that number again. So yep. you're saying, here's the logic. Logic is points are more valuable the lower the total. Imagine laying 19 if the total is 20. <laughs> yeah. Right? An yep. extreme case, but you would say, well, geez. It's not only your guy team can't score without going over if the other team wants to cover, right? Meaning if the underdog scores once, automatic exceeding of expected points for the favorite to cover. But it's how man, how much margin of error there is because if there is just one fluke play, the lesser team scores a touchdown, let's say. Now the expected points that that – favorite's going to score, it's going to be hard to overcome. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the points are more valuable. And my thought is usually the marketplace is going to take care of that. It's going to account for that. And thus, favorites that would be, in this case, Michigan State's nine and a half, maybe they'd be 11 in a different situation. So you can imagine if you bring that, if the lines were made without regard to the total, this would make a ton of sense. I believe Favorites are depressed because of total. If not the opening line, guys like you batting them, yep. and then it will go down. But you're saying against the close, yep. when a total, and the total in this game is? 39 and a half. So what made you pick 43? I just kept, I first picked 40. Mm-hmm. And I just, well, does it work for 41, oh, so what you're saying I just you're I want to get a bigger the, sample size. Okay. Now, what's important to do is when you add that stuff yeah. is look at it. The, let's just say you got to make sure that the each increment going up by itself is valid. Because if it's break, let's say 38 is uh, 40%. So thir- under 38, 40% for the favor, let's say. And then you get up to 43 and you will say, okay, well, it's uh, – maybe 42%, you said, oh, okay, I'd rather go high. But if you look at that incremental amount, it might only be break-even. And I did that. Every half point, I kept checking, hey, does it go way up, like a couple percentage points? And no, it, just st- it stayed right at 42%, 43% with each half point that I kept increasing. All right, so it. a low total of 43 yep. or lower. Yep. And how big is the favorite got to be? Just a touchdown or more, seven or more. And all you do is play the dog in that case. 57%. And how many games were there? 315. Now that's pretty strong. Yes. Whew, that's a big number. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like you can't lay it here. Oh, excuse, it's bigger than that. I can't add. 415. Oh, you can add. Now, uh, was it any difference if it was a road team or a home team laying it? No, nah, nothing did more significant. I did look. All right. That's a good stat. Yes. A good, in fact, since that's one 
You can put in your – I mean, think about it, guys. You don't want to play this blind, but you got a couple of picks, and one of them is laying – you know, your instincts is laying eight on the road, and the total's 40 – or doesn't matter, road home, and the total's 42. Hmm. All right, now with that – and you got to realize, you hear a 17-5, and five, it's almost meaningless. It really is, unless you've got logic behind it. You hear 400 sample at 43%, 400 games. That is meaningful. All right, it's the perfect time. We got a uh, sales said we are going to knock the socks off of the listeners of the podcast. So there's a special. There's a thing called bulk dollars. And what is that? It's you can spend a little bit extra up front and you get extra value. It's like buy $100 worth of gift cards, get 150 kind of thing. But every once in a while, and it's like literally less than, it's a rule here. It's less than four times a year you can do this. So four or less. It's called the 10 gets you 50. And the concept is it's a sampler that it's like, hey, if you've ever considered bulk dollars, we're usually... You know, the one that sells the most is 99 gets you 150, right? So you're getting the extra 50%, which is nice, right? If you're buying. Uh, other times we'll have 300 gets you 600. So you double, but you're spending more money. The 10 gets you 50 is crazy. You're 5Xing. Now, here's what's beautiful. If you already have a pregame account, give it a try. It's simple. Go log in, get your 10, get your 50. We sell, I mean... Literally thousands of these. Now, we make it limit. I think it's limit of one or two per person. I think it's one, actually. You always know if if, uh, I'm saying no thank you to the money, it's a good deal. right? It's too good of a deal. But that's the point. We believe if you try it, you're going to like it. I mean, if you like listening to Brad, why not get his best bet? So what's your card look like for the weekend? Can I have between five to seven plays? Haven't got it completely finalized yet, but... That's what, and I got a couple plays already loaded, RJ. And uh, any three stars? Those are the big oh yeah, plays. three stars. Oh yeah, got one loaded. <laughs> so you want Brad stuff? I mean, if for ten bucks you could get that and Fezix, that and Ken's. Now here's the thing: if you're not a customer, or I'm sorry, not a forget the customer part. If you're not registered at pregame for free, which you can post in the forms, different things. Here's what you do: is when you go sign up and it's free, and it takes like less than a minute. One of the questions is, well, where did you hear about us? Well, we decided, and we did this a while back, a couple weeks ago, if you put dream, that's all you got to put, dream, D-R-E-A-M, you get, instead of the $25 that people usually get in pregame dollars, right? There's bulk dollars. These are pregame dollars. You get double. You get two twenty-fives. So now, literally, you go sign up for free, put in dream, as in who referred you, you get 25 that everyone else gets and 25 because you're special. Then if you want, now you can do that and don't have to do anything else. You spend $10, gets 50, and thus this weekend you could have 100 bucks for 10 bucks. Now here's the thing. I know you devious minds out there. You're thinking, oh, I'll get the 25 and 25 and spend that on the 50, the 10. No, 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 no. You we, <laughs> you can't spend one discount to get another discount. So don't, you know, you can try. It's not going to work. Give it a try if you want. But it's either get the t- double 25 using Dream by itself. If you haven't, why not, right? 
And two, if you went to 10, get you 50. It only happens about once a quarter, and it only happens once during football. This is it. All right, any closing thoughts on Michigan State, Northwestern? Oh, by the way, it's pregame.com. We don't say that enough. Pregame.com. 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 I love that. The PTI guys. And who better to talk to than the founder for pregame.com? I think we got it covered. Yeah, I think so. What we didn't get covered was, I want to hear this Ohio State clip at the end of this game. All right, so we're done here. What is Fez? Oh, Fez likes Northwestern, too. He says, great scheduling spot. Northwestern coasted versus UNLV at home. Sparty had a huge revenge game versus ASU and failed miserably. Losing outright as 14.5-point favorite. Yep. Not, uh, not much new information. His, his idea of coasting and mine are two different things. They didn't even cover the spread. <laughs> yeah, that's they, interesting. They, they How much did they the win re- by? They, one by 16, and they had to score a late touchdown to win by 16. That was kind of they, a— And they were only up two at the half, so I don't— <laughs> uh. Yeah, I— Maybe the ticker. Uh, he still has a ticker at home, I think. Maybe the ticker yeah. acted up. <laughs> <laughs> we got to ask him that tomorrow on the. This is alma mater. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I, ever tell you all the dumb people I know from Northwestern? I mean, like, dumb. Like, you would have thought they never went. Like, you would wonder if they. It's kind of like Kramer when he was up on Seinfeld and he was doing the, the mail auction. And they, the, the prior person says, um, He's a, and Elaine's doing the announcement. She goes, he's a Harvard Law School graduate, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then next up, uh, Cosmo Kramer. He's a mm, high school graduate. And he goes, equivalency, like under his breath. <laughs> like you're wondering, did, did this person get their GED or did they actually, you know? And they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Northwestern guy. And I'm like, jeez, high state. All right, speaking of a high state, this was a couple weeks ago. Urban Meyer wanted him. The school wanted him. He wasn't the obvious choice. Whenever that's the case, they probably know something we don't. Now, on top of that, 28 nothing, eight minutes into the game. Yep. Final score? 45-21. Didn't cover? Nope. We all would think, anyone would think, a rookie or a first-year coach with something to prove in a way. I think he runs it up. Yeah, that's why I lean with the Buckeyes on this podcast. That was my reason. I think it's a sign of his confidence. Does Day benefit from raising the stakes? We can all agree Ohio State did not try to run it up. That's yep. not even a question. Yep. A first-year coach, you would think he would. Yeah. That tells me he's trying to hide how strong his team is. There's no rationale not to do it. Because remember, alums bet on the team. The coaches know the spread. 100%. We're back. It, it, it just seems so prophetic. It was. And it is. What have you seen from Ohio State since, Brad? Since I tried to... Well, they've been super dominant, but especially early, first two, three quarters of the games. Now, they've covered easily the last couple weeks because they're laying shorter numbers, but this is a really good Ohio State team. In fact, they're one of my biggest upgrades out of any team in the country that I've had since the start of the season. So how many points? Four points. I agree big time. I think they're a playoff team. I don't see anybody in the Big Ten beating them. I mean, if Wisconsin, we'll find about a, a lot out about Wisconsin this week when they're at home against Michigan. If they lose that game, they're, of course, done. If they dominate Michigan, then maybe we have a great playoff. But other than that, I don't care. Nebraska, anybody from the West, Purdue, Iowa, any of these teams, they're not going to touch Ohio State. Ohio State is going to blow out Michigan State, a game that we all thought could be close earlier, except for RJ, of course, because it's at the horseshoe. And uh, it's Michigan, Ohio State, and we know how that goes. So, 
Do you know how some people get premonitions? I'm one of them. And listen, I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about this team. I just know when there's a young guy that can run it up that doesn't run it up. There's something there. Yep. There's something there. I'm feeling good about the whole hire. How's uh, how's that one coach doing that you like so much? Matt Campbell. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, he lost. Oh, another one. Yeah, one, by only, one point. If only they gave him a chance. Yep. Like if one of the great programs said, "Well, you don't really win where you're at, but you you know once you get here, you're gonna start winning." Yep. <laughs> RJ one. <laughs> All right. We'll be talking Michigan later, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Big game. Big game. I'm interested to see what you think of the offense, Brad. <laughs> this is RJ Bell's dream preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Oregon, Stanford. So we don't have Central Florida this week, I'm guessing. So We do. We, we do. do. Yeah. Okay, well, let's wait to talk about that. But I guess we'll talk about the flip side here is they just got dominated. I guess you can only – is it Central Florida did so well, Stanford so bad, some combination. Oregon on the road up to 10.5 over Stanford. Uh, neither you guys like it, so Ken. Yeah, I lean towards Stanford just because they're at home. That's that's the only thing as far as uh, the spread being too big as far as I'm concerned. I think Oregon's got the potential to blow them out, but Stanford, uh, I'll give them credit. They were down 38-7 at halftime to Central Florida. They could have battened down the hatches and said, let's go back to Palo Alto. They didn't. They outscored Central Florida. They stayed in the game. Look, it was extremely hot there in Orlando. Wasn't too hot for UCF. This team's just a scoring machine, and they stayed with the freshman quarterback. I was very impressed, but I like the way Stanford at least pulled it together. I think Shaw gets the most out of them. They may not win this game. In fact, I don't think they will win the game, but I think they keep it close and cover the spread. Wait, is it me or Shaw's uh, the glow, the halo around yep. him is really de- decreased? It is, certainly. It's funny. How excited was everyone about um, Lane Kiffin? His year one? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's tremendous. Oh, he'll be in an SEC job in no time. And, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. And co- I mean, remember that Rutgers coach where, you know, there were uh, – Chiano? Yeah. I mean, he was like the superstar superstar. I mean, yep. it's funny. I mean, obviously he's still doing fine. I mean, the question is well, – Think about the players, though. When you inherit an, uh, an Andrew Luck, you you get a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, is one of the best. And then you get a Bryce Love. Now, he couldn't stay healthy, but he had – flashes of brilliance as well they don't have those guys they don't have even an Arcega Whiteside now big receiver that's in the NFL and the recruiting has dropped off last couple years for Stanford so how long Shaw been there he's been there now this is his ninth year already so really though all those I mean other than Andrew Luck he had recruited all those yeah he recruited all those guys no I'm not I'm not saying he's just not got the same style but he doesn't have those same type players there's nobody on there that I'm scared of when I look at Stanford Costello is an adequate quarterback Scarlett's not a bad running back and they always have good tight ends Parkinson's okay but there's nobody that scares me and that defense is not dominant like they've been in years past RJ and it wasn't only the recruiting that's taken a little bit of a, a drop off here but 
one major thing with Stanford, their identity for the last decade, starting with the last three, four years under Harbaugh, was a physical style play, something that the, a lot of the West Coast teams certainly weren't doing at that point. Good call. Running the football, couple tight ends, fullbacks. So that was the identity of the program. But last year they went to throwing it, relying on K.J. Costello's arm, and Stanford record looks okay, 9-4, and four, but statistically only outscored their opponents by five points per game. That was the worst in 10, 12 years. And here's another key loss that I think, and I got to do some work in the offseason on this. Stanford, they had a strength coach for like the last 10, 12 years. A lot of people considered him to be a top five strength coach in the entire country. He left here recently in the last year, and I think that's also having an impact on the Stanford program. Remember at the beginning of college football season, I got an inside scoop on this team from somebody very close to the team that said, this may be our worst team in the last 15 years. And I was like, wow, because when you read the magazines, everybody had them up there as a potential dark horse in the north of the Pac-12. This guy was dead on. Do we look at the fact that Stanford played hard in a tough spot in Florida in the second half? I do. Game out out of reach. Now, Brad, I'm looking at your notes You've got an impressive home underdog trend. And this seems to fit the concept of these are good kids. These are the, you know, we've got that Iowa trend. Yep. Which I think you could attribute to a similar thing. So that Iowa trend first. Yeah, Iowa's a road favorite since 2011, 19-0 straight up, 16-2-1 against the spread. And they just lost a half point. This just time. lost by a half point. Against uh, who was the coach of the other team? Matt, Matt Campbell. Okay. So <laughs> uh, you might say, and again, this is kind of venturing into like sociology level stuff. The Colin does this a lot and he gets heat. So, uh, you know, to me, I'm not, uh, I think sometimes we grasp for meaning, but you would say, well, listen, these are, you know, Midwestern boys. They're not, you know, they're not used to taking things for granted. When you wake up on the farm, you know, yep. right, Brad? Oh, yeah. You work. Yep. Maybe, maybe not. But with Stanford, you think if you can get into Stanford, you probably have a good work ethic. And when you're a home dog, you stay focused. So this trend makes sense to me. Yeah. So since 2008, uh, this is going to be Stanford's largest home underdog role since then. But since late 2007, Stanford has been a home underdog nine times. Stanford against the spread, 9-0. and Stanford straight up in those nine home underdog roles. Eight and one. So eight of the nine times they won the game outright, average cover by nearly two touchdowns per game. Stanford, and that's why I'm why not with the like it. here. Because I'm Stanford's defense concerns me. They've given up 8.1 yards per play, 7.4 yards per play, and now they're facing a, a high potent Oregon offense that can take advantage of Stanford. So if Stanford fights when they're a home dog, they yeah. fought last week. Maybe go with Stanford and the – well, I see this is contrary. I think – to me, it feels like Oregon's going to get their points. Yeah. Like you can't will yourself to be better physically than you are. So Stanford's only way to stay in it is to score with them. Yes. But, but it's tough to play the underdog in the over. Yeah, it is. Huh. Any closing thoughts? Nope, that's it. Fezzik's handicap. Lean Oregon. He's Oregon going to say Revenge. Oregon beat up on Nevada and Montana. Oh, no. Stanford just got beat up against USC and UCF and traveled across the country. These kids are 19 years old, and they they traveled once, and they're going to be, what, fatigued? (laughs) 
<sighs> I thought he'd mention because one of his most famous bad beat stories of last year was Oregon against Stanford. Oregon's up 24-7, and they lose the game in overtime. And uh, there was two different points in the game where Oregon had like a 99% chance to win, but fumbles and some craziness happened at the end. I thought for sure he'd remember that. Oh, my. Next game. <laughs> Next game. Michigan, Wisconsin. Michigan minus three and a half. Oh, no, check that. Michigan three and a half point road dog at Wisconsin. I thought Michigan was supposed to have an easy path. <laughs> what was the preseason line on this Michigan game? was a touchdown, seven-point favorite. Holy cow. So what's been your adjustment on Michigan? I've had Michigan down three and a half points. Okay. And what's your adjustment on Wisconsin? Wisconsin's up about four points. So the market's moved more than that. It has. So you – now, this is interesting. <laughs> now, you guys do realize you're forced to make five likes, right? Yep, I got them. You got five likes, Ken? Yep, I got them. All right. I'm not sure. There's, I'm a, not I, there's a like stuff. on this one for uh, me, right? All right. I've already th- had two in the book already. It just seems like yeah. – and you guys are not – there's no exchange. No, I no, just sent him to no Mark. Idea. That's it. You sent him to work? What do you mean? Mark. Oh, all right. No one else attached. Yeah, I don't even send mine. Mark actually takes mine verbally over the phone. <laughs> you can't type though, can right? No, I'm not too good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> could, could, could you imagine yeah. that? I'm old school, man. It's yeah. like E S D. Oh, I gotta get like a hunt or packer sound effect. I, no, yeah, holy shit! I, I, I am the to. fastest hunter, hunter and pecker. Ah, I will yeah. say that, man. Say that one more time. I am the fastest hunter and pecker. <laughs> That's right. Got to get that in there. Uh, no, I do want to get this on for a drop. It, <laughs> this is going to be classic. Uh, here we go. You know, answer seriously. Don't try to do your voices. Just, just answer. Ken, can you type? No. No. Nope. But I am the fastest hunter and pecker that there is. <laughs> uh, do me a favor. Just say no. I can't type. But no, I can't type. I, no, I can't type. But all right. We got it. Mark that slave. <laughs> I'm the fastest. I've ever... That is the most Ken Thompson yeah. thing I've ever heard. That's awesome. All right. We got an interesting matchup here. So Dave Esler, Uncle Dave, been winning since Moses was in short pants. He likes Wisconsin. Okay. I am backing every pick from Dave Esler. Ken likes Wisconsin. Poor Steve Fezzik. <laughs> he likes Michigan. So the beauty of this is this is a crossfire, but Fez isn't here for that. And, again, what we're trying to do, because with all the radio, and this is early. We do this on Tuesday to try to get you guys a nice amount of time to get ready with the the, the podcast. It's just Fez didn't have the time to fully do all of college, all the NFL We'd rather do a little bit less and do it right now. Come Saturday, when he's got all his experts in and everything, he's a guru. When he's doing college by himself, eh, he's the underdog here, which is what I like is him batting that. So we'll play a little <laughs> of the theme just for – so this is going to be Ken and me on the – or Ken and Esther, which is I'm his surrogate on the same side, Fez on the other. Ken, let's have you start. Yeah, and Wisconsin's just a better team than I thought they were going to be. They lost four offensive linemen coming into the season. Now, look, I got to take the schedule with a grain of salt. South Florida, Central Michigan, but they've been dominant. And Jonathan Taylor, a guy that usually just runs the ball, has actually gotten 
five pass receptions. You say only five, but three of those have gone for touchdowns. Offensive line looks like it picked up where it left off. We'll find out about Michigan. They struggled mightily with Army at home. They didn't play a great game against Middle Tennessee. Now you go to Camp Randall. Jack Cohn has been very efficient, 76% completion ratio, five touchdowns. And the receiving core is pretty solid because they got Quintez Cephas back, A.J. Taylor. Pryor's a little banged up, but a tight end in Ferguson. I think Wisconsin's going to be able to manhandle Michigan on the line of scrimmage. And that's where this game will be won in the trenches. They got to get a little uh, pressure on Patterson. They do that, shut down Charbonnet. I think Wisconsin's going to end up rolling in this game by the fourth quarter. All right, so we got Esler Sound coming up. Brad, you actually are with. Now, Brad, I think you should step up, my man. Step, because what you're saying is your power ratings has to have what? About three points of value? No. Well, okay. It says it's close to about right because I was already higher on Wisconsin when this uh, game he was, game of the he year. bet me on the win yeah total. I bet you on yep. the win total I went over Wisconsin yes well yeah that's called being higher on yeah I mean do you have to repeat it and go over and no, the point over <laughs> <laughs> all right so my question is why don't you have the courage of your convictions you'll do your handicap and we'll go from there I I can't trust Jim Harbaugh and this and here's why. He stinks. I, th- I thought he was one. Of, I thought he was one of the best coaches. So there's only since 2015. That's when Harbaugh started. He's you know how many games he's won in the underdog role? Just straight up, zero point zero. Only one other coach in the. So how how many games did he play? Zero and six. Ooh, oof. I mean, compare that with Urban Meyer, who was an underdog in seven games at Ohio State. What was his record? Straight up, we're talking. I'm not sure. Seven and zero, oh. straight up. So. <laughs> You, you wouldn't think he'd want to spend so much time with his family. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> wouldn't not. like that. Unbelievable. But here's my gut tells me there's been too much of a correction in the marketplace. Ten and a half points when both teams are sitting here two and zero, oh, and all I'm hearing is Wisconsin a hundred and ten to nothing. That's the combined score of their first two games of the season. While Michigan, everyone's been piling on the Wolverines for the last two weeks about the Army performance. So you think you'd be ready to to, to go All right, off it's, the... it's a like. It's a like. We got some action. All right. Been, yeah. Yes. Uh, again, RJ just coaches <laughs> yeah. them into Michigan, for Christ's sakes. Unbelievable. From Michigan. We just remember Harbaugh. the Essler factor. That's all I'll take. You know, know RJ's going to jump on this. No, it's automatic. I saw him. That's right. It's, it's automatic. automatic. Yeah. I back yes. every pick of days. Now, here's what's great. I've got $400 of action Fezzik's not even here, and Brad had a lean. I mean, you want to talk about getting it in with the best of it, baby. Woo! I'm glad my wife's from outside of Madison, and I got the Badger shirt on. I feel good about it. It's another one to clip up, sleep. Or not clip up, but make sure to mark that, baby. All right, so listen. Let's listen to Asler, get his take. And I've got one handicapping factor in this game when we come back. So just to re- I'll recap when we come back. Here's Uncle Dave Asler. Saturday, college football. Let's see if we can get it going here. Wisconsin over Michigan. This one looked too good to be true, but I can't look a gift horse in the mouth. The lower-ranked team is favored for several good reasons, not the least of which is payback for a 38-13 to beating last year against Michigan at Ann Arbor. And statistically, that game wasn't even that close. I know the Badgers have only played USF and CMU. They did what they were supposed to, shut them both out, held them to an average of 2.2 yards per play. On the other side, two home games against Middle Tennessee and admittedly a good Army team, Michigan's 86th offensively yards per play. Even with adjustment for strength of schedule, I think there's still a big discrepancy 
Line essentially says these teams are even on a neutral field, and I beg to differ. Cohn has looked solid. Badgers have the best running back of the nation. Badgers cover the points. Look for getting minus three. All right, Uncle Dave. I'm feeling pretty good, Brad. I've got Ken. You know, I, I'll be candid. You're my favorite because we work together every day. Ken is a close second. And if he – it looks like you've been lifting, Ken? Yeah, a little bit. So do you do the clear, they call it, or what What exactly? The clear. <laughs> I think that's what Barry Bonds was doing. With oh, the, no. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean – th- Never. No, nothing like that. Just a lot of eggs, raw eggs and stuff? No, man, I just, you know, I, I, I just eat normal. I, I mean, I'm not even, you know, none of that creatine crap, none of that protein powder, nothing. I've just Now, were you, know, you a lifter when you were in, like, your 20s and 30s? Just, you know, always a lot of, uh, you know, to be cut, like a lot of reps, not a lot of heavy mm. weight, not a lot of heavy weight. This guy takes, when he has an opinion, it's serious. That's what I'm, that's yeah, kind well, of yeah. my point. Yes. And to have him on one side, on, on my side, to have... Uncle Dave on one side, that's our side, and then you and Fez with you with a lean. Yeah. And again, we're if this, an underdog, <laughs> like Harbaugh. If this, Probably the that, same rate of success as Harbaugh. And I, and I do have, you know, just one other take about Harbaugh. He smells. So take that for what it's worth. I'm feeling pretty good. So does he get, if, they, if he loses to Wisconsin, he loses to Ohio State. What's the line in that? What's the line in Ohio State, Michigan? Ohio State flipped uh, to favorite, like a like a one point favorite. That's that seems cheap. It was three three and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna look right now. Yeah, because they've been updating every single week. All right, so I'm gonna keep um I'm gonna keep us moving. So just to recap, Dave Esler, who I'm the surrogate for, because we don't bet across state lines, Wisconsin, Ken Wisconsin, Ken Thompson, Fezzik, in Abstentia, Michigan. And Brad goes from a lean to a like peer pressure, Michigan. So, Ken, we got 400 now. Four and a half now, Ohio State. That sounds right. I would have laid it a pick. Em. Yeah. Just, I would have had put it in right now. Next game, Central Florida. Pitt, 28-game winning streak during the regular season. Where do you got them now? 16th. What's AP got? 15th. So... Isn't it crazy that a popularity poll wouldn't have a, a team that's won so much overrated? Yeah, I agree with that. So it's kind of like there's this, this skepticism about them. Yeah, and I think this year it was the quarterback spot. They lost their all-everything quarterback from the last two years, Mackenzie Miller. But didn't they do well with he, him being out in the bowl game or something, if I remember? They lost LSU. But didn't they cover? No. Ah, oh, By a point. Okay. I think I might have got paid on that yeah. somehow because I remember winning that bet. <laughs> so I think I might have got yeah. uh, you know an extra little you know point. Might have the bowl lines move. Yeah, I don't remember, but I just remember like the impression being that whenever you got a good co- and, and I mean the coach obviously Frost left right. Yep. How's this? I mean the coach Josh Heupel. Yeah, he's done a good job, yeah. Josh Heupel. So that's the dude that used to limp around for Oklahoma. That's yep. right. Yep. And he had the bad leg. Yep. He was dragging that leg behind him. Yep. They won a national title though. Haven't lost in the regular season. Yeah. Right? So well. you always got to appreciate a quarterback who's not physically, you know, we actually had an interview next week, guys, on the college pod. We did like a 20-minute interview with uh, Sonny Dykes. We've got some mutual friends. And I had dinner with him about a year and a half ago with a few friends. And he just, his knowledge on the 
X's and O's. Brad, you sat in on the interview. Excellent. Yeah, very much so. And he does a good job of most coaches that are very X's and O's are kind of weird when it comes to projecting that and trying to explain that. Like Mike Leach is very awkward. So, no, that was an excellent interview. So we're going to play that whole thing at the end of next week's pod. We haven't done any, you know, just basic editing. And we're going to play like a good five, seven minutes of it on our Fox show straight out of Vegas. By the way, today, Tuesday, one year anniversary, up 300% if you compare July to October of last year. So when we get to October over October, our first full month last year, and then this will, you know, be our 13th month, I guess. I think we're going to, I'm gunning for seven acts. Yeah, I was thinking at least six. Yeah, I'm excited. So if you're listening, if straight out of Vegas, if you're not listening, you can listen on demand, iHeartRadio, FoxSportsRadio.com, 200 Fox stations, terrestrial over the air, Sirius 203, where the winning stops is where I like to call it. And we're sometimes on 83 when they don't have the um, NASCAR show. Or NASCAR show. That's right. So Central Florida is 12. Oh, and podcast, obviously. And just search RJ Bell. And you can, if you're not subscribed here, do so. Especially if you consider the pick pod sometimes. You won't know when it comes out. Central Florida minus 12. Pitt. Oh, wait. This is a best bet. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We had a few games that we called them half handicaps. So let's go through those first, and then we know our best bet's coming up on that game. One of them, at least. Fezzes. All right. First half a handicap. UCLA, Washington State, I guess, because we've seen Washington. I don't see the full name. Leach and Company, 18 and a half. (laughs) Ken, you like it? I do. I like Wazoo. I mean, I saw enough of them against Houston and Houston played a Friday night standalone game at home. I had Houston plus the points they end up covering, but Washington State was good enough to cover. And this quarterback, Anthony Gordon, he's a guy that sat as a backup for three years. They didn't think that this guy was going to be the starter. Not only is he the starter, he's already thrown for over 1,300 yards. Borgie out of the backfield, this guy always seems like he's open. And they have five receivers, RJ, that all can catch the ball. They put up enough points, and their defense is physical enough that I think they're going to be able to slow UCLA down. A UCLA team that's very consistent on offense. How consistent? 14 points in their first game, their second game, and their third game. They've nailed 14 points in all three of those games. They haven't even tried a backup quarterback. And with that in mind, and their minus six in turnovers, I just look at Wazoo up in the Palouse. Eventually, it's going to get out of hand. I think Wazoo's going to end up winning this game by 25 to 30 points, Brad. I lean with Washington State as well, and... I've downgraded UCLA more than any other team in the country in my power ranks. Ten points after three games. And you mentioned it, KT. UCLA's been very consistent as far as not being able to to do much offensive production. 14 points in all three of their games. And if you told me they're going to get 14 points, hell, give them 17 in this game. Can their defense hold Washington State in check to cover this number? I don't think so. You mentioned the replacement. A lot of people, the biggest question mark for Washington State, or at least one of them, was how do you pr- replace Gardner Minshew? Had a really, you know, he was in the Heisman discussion at the, you know, in November as far as being a top five, top six guy. Maybe he's going to go to New York. And a guy out of nowhere, Anthony Gordon, leading the country in passing, shows you that it's kind of a plug and play system year after year. Doesn't matter for Mike Leach. I lean with Washington State here. So what has gone on with UCLA? 
quarterback. I expected the quarterback play to be improved. I mean, this was a high four-star kid, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and I thought in his second year of the system, I mean, he'd be playing pretty good football. He's not. And I don't – you see, there just isn't – sometimes college football, it's about, you know, the look of the team. You know, are they rallying around it? Is there a lot of energy on the sidelines? I'm just not seeing it. It looks like the team's going through the motions. They just don't have skilled position players that I think are that great. I mean, Kelly and Felton aren't bad running backs. Now, we're the wideouts. You're missing Theo Howard. He's still banged up. Maybe he comes back this week. We thought maybe we'd get him last week. But the time just isn't there for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And this kid, when he's rattled, he throws the ball erratically. He's just very inconsistent. He's out of Bishop Gorman. We saw him play high school ball. But, man, he is... And they're not even looking at anybody else. That's the thing that concerns me if I'm a UCLA fan, that you don't have anybody nope. else. And Chip this Kelly should... in his press conference this week says, nope, no change of quarterback. Nope, I'm surprised. You know, I think there's a couple of things here. One, there's all this speculation that this is analogous to Golden State basketball, where when they had the, the lineup of death, it wasn't just how great they were. It was that the other teams didn't face it, and they just didn't get a chance to get used to it. So it was always unique. As others started to go small, maybe they weren't quite as good, but you got used to it. And it feels like that, you know, us as college football fans, when Chip Kelly was just emerging at Oregon, that was the discussion. Like, how do you handle this speed? And yep. and now it's like, I'm not saying I don't know enough to know if Chip's doing something a little different when it comes to, you know, the way he's blocking down on the end or whatever. But I know a lot of teams are playing spread principles, playing faster. It, did the game, you know, did, did the schematic edge just disappear? Uh, I also think that from what Colin said, and he said he got it from an inside source, UCLA is not happy. He's not doing the glad-handing Chip Kelly with the boosters. He doesn't love recruiting. And to some degree, if you think back to Oregon – he was he was almost like the brain behind it all, but he wasn't all that front and center. Whereas it feels like the whole Nike connection yeah, that helped recruiting. that kept it not only helped the recruiting, but the you know just the energy of the program. Here, the opposite is, and Colin made this point too. When's the last time that a, a college team has really mattered in LA? It go you know there's one example obviously USC football yep. under. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Under Pete Carroll. Yeah, I'm seeing if you're following. Under Pete, you're looking at me like, oh, curious. (laughs) Under Pete Carroll. But before that, when's the last one? Uh, You'd have to go back to the 70s, John McKay. Is that, I mean, so I'm talking basketball. I'm talking, I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah. The theory is that L.A. is just too cool for college sports. Unless it gets really hot, then they'll get involved. Not that there's not dedicated fans, but Ken, you're a fan. So do you feel like that? The U.S. You're, you're a USC fan. Do you feel like that USC uh, doesn't have the energy of a school like USC should when it comes to fandom, or do you think there's this dedicated base? Or how do you how? Because what we're saying is, it seems like Chip Kelly, that UCLA is like a dead program in a way, which I think is conspiring against. They're, they're, they're recruiting in a bunch of things. And I think USC was spoiled by Pete Carroll and then the whole Reggie Bush thing, you know, and ironically he'll be there at the Coliseum this week and actually calling a game. It's his first time back to the Coliseum. But, you know, when I look at this SC program now being a fan, 
Yeah, with Clay Helton there, I like him. He's a nice guy. They have good players, but they don't have great players. And they had great players. Pete Carroll had that whole city on fire. Yeah. And UCLA, you talk about it. I mean, you go back to Terry Donahue maybe when they were consistent and made bowl games every single year. But UCLA football has always paled in comparison to Southern Cal, to USC. And it was UCLA basketball that was big. Now that, that's not even big anymore. Yeah, so that, you know, I should know this. That UCLA coach, I liked him, and for some reason, the college basketball coach. Ben Howland? Yeah, and he, did he go to Pitt? Do I remember that right? Or he was, it was Pitt to UCLA. Okay. And, then, and then four straight Final Fours and, yeah. and got fired. How did that happen? Didn't win a national championship. Well, how, how many national championships since? <laughs> how many Final Fours since? <laughs> Zero. So, it's always right. funny yeah. when you have, it, it's kind of like the death rattle of these programs, and we'll see what happens with Nebraska, but the guy that gets it, the job as the truth of the downward trend starts to really emerge, they get all the heat because it's like, yep. well, this isn't what it used to Solich. be. Solich, unfair heat. Yeah. Well, how's he done at OU? He's done fine. Fine? Yep. Sometimes better than you... Matt Jones? Better than Matt Jones. What's that dude's name you like? From <laughs> Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell? <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the one move that I will say that panned out, that a guy was there for a long time and consistently won, was Mark Richt, and they go to Kirby Smart, and it's panned out well for Georgia. All right, so Fezzik passes. Anything else? Nope. Next half a handicap. Oh, you are. No, let's go. Florida, Tennessee. Florida quarterbacks out. We'll get to that. Tennessee. 14-point road dog. Fez likes this one. You two lean in. Let me give Fez an analysis. He likes Tennessee. They're 1-2, and two, but could easily be 3-0. and oh. And then this line is 11. This is a lot more, makes a lot more sense with me saying it. <laughs> Tennessee, minus two in turnovers. Georgia State, minus one. Jesus, you should be okay being minus one against Georgia State. Yeah. That's, that was my editorial comment. Tennessee won yardage in both games by over 50 yards. So they, they outgained Georgia State by 50 yards. Ooh, they must be underrated. That's that same Georgia State team that just lost 57-10 to 10 to Western Michigan. I don't see that in Fez's notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I don't know. It makes no sense. Brad, what do you think? I lean to Tennessee here, and let's talk about the Florida downgrade at quarterback. Felipe Franks now out for the season. Kyle Trask is going to be their quarterback. He's a six foot five, two thirty five kid, strong arm, but not as mobile as Felipe Franks, and you know not as strong as arm throwing it down the field as Felipe had. So a three point downgrade there for Florida. And to me, it looked like they rallied in that game against Kentucky, 19 to nothing in the fourth quarter. But to me, after that emotional lift to win that game, does it really carry over here? I have my concerns, and especially and my thinking is I have the better quarterback with Tennessee, Jarek Garantano, little underrated quarterback, and I'm catching 14 in a rivalry game. Is he little or is he a little underrated? Little he's, underrated. Okay. He's not little. Because you go a little underrated yeah, quarterback. I if there's that. a comma there. I, I don't know why I, I mean, had to pause. At 5'5", five, five, it's kind of crazy <laughs> no, that you're. Little underrated. I don't know why I paused there. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, lean Tennessee for me. I got the better quarterback and getting two touchdowns here. So why not like it? I don't know if I can trust Tennessee. I mean, what's not in his notes last week, he was talking turnovers in those games. They crushed Chattanooga 45 nothing. Hey, that looks good. Tennessee got a big win. They were plus five in turnovers to get that 45 nothing win last week against Chattanooga. So what is, the, repeat again, the quarterback downgrade. Three points for Florida. And how, how has this line moved? 
It's right in line with my power ratings. No, no, but what I'm saying is how has it moved? Meaning, was there a look-ahead line? Was there a... It was 16 and a half in the summer. Okay. So two and a half points. But... Tennessee's way down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if Tennessee's way down, this line should be up. I mean, Florida, let's forget the quarterback. How were they other than the quarterback? About flat? Flat. Florida's flat. All right, so let's think about this. The line was 17 in the summer. Yeah. Right? Let's adjust for quarterback. That brings it to 14. Yep. Right? Yep. Florida is flat. Yep. Tennessee is down how much? Tennessee's down like five points. So shouldn't this line be 19? That And that doing that math, yeah. Well, what other math would there be? No, now, I get, I get what you're saying is that you're saying you had things skewed. When I say skewed, I mean you had opinions and stuff, so yeah, now yeah. the line makes sense. But did you? it seems like then under that theory you should be I, betting I that. can. Well, I can tell you, I probably bet Tennessee in the summer betting markets more than any other team. I have like Ooh, five or six Tennessee. No, feeling good about that. No, right. I'm not. So I have five or six of them, and I, I didn't choose the Florida game. Here's the thing I'm thinking, Ken. I'd like to get your tag. Because if I'm right about this, I'm going to press the button on Fez. I feel like that Florida could overlook this game if it wasn't for their quarterback. Because Tennessee's – I get the rivals, but in the SEC there's a bunch of rivals. Yep. Tennessee's horrible. We're at home in the swamp. Eh, you know. But with a new quarterback in, everything's a little bit more, you know, zip, zip, zip. Let's, we can't F around. So if you know that, that Florida's playing hard, well, you look, you look at me like I got something. No, 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 no. No, go ahead. I'm looking at Florida. First off, they win, they push or cover against Kentucky. They should have lost the game. I mean, Kentucky's freshman field goal kicker misses a chip shot field goal that's going to give Kentucky a two-point win. Not only does Florida then have a one-point lead and literally can just get a first down and the game's over, they do an end around. Who does an end around on a third down when you're not going to lose the game? As long, I mean, worst case scenario, there was going to be five seconds left for Kentucky to get the ball. They run it 76 yards, RJ. It's one of the worst beats. If you had Kentucky or you had the under and got to the dance later than Brad and I did, you lost that game on both uh, so circumstances. Did, did you have Kentucky? No, I had the under 50 and a okay, half. I, I won. I won by a half a point. It's just but the most passion people lost. That I'm surprised you didn't have a bet. Brad no. never gets worked up unless he himself personally gets <laughs> hurt. Anyone else getting hurt, yeah. he just rolls with it. Somehow. I felt bad for the freshman kicker because, I mean, just the look on his face. And I just, I just saw my daughter's a freshman in college. And I looked and I said, you know, it's not going to be a good night, fun night for that kid. That's when you know you're getting old is when you start sympathizing with adults. I mean, effectively adults and saying, but my daughter's that age. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It kind of makes you wonder about some of the nights when you were in your 30s, right? Yeah. You, you weren't feeling so bad then, though, were no, you? No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the ebb and flow of life. It is. All right. What do you think, Brad? So you like, does my argument about. It sways me. I'm, I'm passing now. Okay, because it just strikes me. You know Florida's going to be focused. Yeah. You know they might keep throwing a little bit later. Yep. Right, because to get the quarterback some reps. Yep. You think the market's adjusted properly. Yep, makes sense. And thousand states on deck. Uh. (laughs) Wherever you are, Fez, we're picking (laughs) you off. (laughs) That's funny. Next, that's me, by the way. Next game, half a handicap, USC, Utah, Utah. Now, this game opened around pick, Brad? 
Yeah, for about five minutes at Circa, and it was three within, I want to say, six or seven minutes. Did you help with that? I did help with that. Where did you get down at? One. So you just weren't quick enough? I'm not quick enough. It's so quick. Well, they got bots. That's what you don't Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All right. Let me see. Brad has a like. Ken has a like, and Ken is a USC guy. So double like. They agree. Go ahead, Ken. Okay, I was at this game two years ago, and it was a crushing loss for Whittingham. He drove down, got a touchdown, pulled them within one, and I'm sitting there and saying, man, if they run that same play that they just scored a touchdown on where they ran the ball, USC barely got a hand on the guy, I said they're going to lose this game. But something just let me feel like, gosh, I'm there with my daughter. I think maybe they can pull it off. And then they end up throwing the ball, and it didn't make any sense. They did not get the two. Hold on a second. Yeah. So you're saying that somehow the, the Lord's, I don't know what That's your it. religious just, beliefs are, but you're saying because the you're there with gods. your daughter and you like USC, you figure they're pulled out. My record at, <laughs> at my record at the Coliseum when I go to games is twelve and one, and with my daughter it's five and zero. Oh. So I just felt karma because I'm hoping she helps you with your picks. I mean, couldn't you imagine? He comes in and he goes, "This is the double daughter special." RJ, you know, she, <laughs> here's here's the classic. Like Last it. year, the only game I could make was the opener against UNLV. So there, third row seats with all my buddy, all the USC alum and everybody, and we're sitting there, and UNLV is hanging in the game. All of a sudden, Lexington Thomas busts a run for UNLV, and he's going, and he's gone. He's in the clear. And all of a sudden, my daughter stands up. She's like, go, go. And I'm like looking up at her, and in the middle of her cheering as he's going in for a touchdown, she puts her hand on my shoulder and says, oh, Dad, I still love USC football, but I'm from Vegas, and I feel I'm compelled to root for you. And I told I, I never felt so proud of so her. So she said compelled. She has a better vocabulary. Oh, you. she's much, much better, much better. There's no question. That's, that's why she's a, she's a college kid. KT's college, junior college, Mesa Junior College after the Navy. I mean, I, you know, that's me, RJ. I'm a, cut I'm that. A, cut that. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> you know what's funny about his story? He was getting in there. He's sitting in the third row with the big wigs. So who oh, yeah. who were the other power brokers there, Ken? Well, Mike Marlat, the, <laughs> the attorney. He's the, he's the guy who's had third row seats USC for like thirty years. So yeah, it pays to be with the uh, pays to <laughs> be with the wrong. pays to be with the right guys that graduated SC law school. No question about it. And what's your connection to USA? Just being a fan, <laughs> RJ. RJ, my dad was an Ohio State guy, as you know, right? Big Ohio State fan. And the only reason I'm an SC fan is dad took off and left me after they beat Michigan, gloating around the barbershop in Nutley, New Jersey. There's KT in the booster seat. USC, UCLA came on. I saw this guy on a white horse with a sword and these gorgeous women and Coliseum. Been an SC fan ever since. Last question. If they made a list of the most... Hmm. Well-known USC fans. So they had to be, you know how they do like, you know, uh, the Knicks and the Knicks have uh, Spike, you know, Spike Lee is one of the, where, what, how big would the list have to be that if you weren't on it, you'd be mad. So let's start with a top hundred or some would say hundred. Would you go with USC or would you go with, you should be on that list? That I should be on mm-hmm. the list? So I, I should be. The, the, oh, the top 100. You're okay. damn right I should be. What about, what about the top 75? I'm definitely in the top 75. RJ, I should be at least in the top 50. All right, so if they came out with the t- 50, top 50 highest Q ratings, this song's perfect for Cat. It is. It's perfect. 
You should be on it. I should definitely be in the top 50, and I'll let Tim Tesselone know it. He's the SID there forever, and there's nobody that bleeds USC more than KT. But remember, it's not about how big of a fan you are. It's you're a known fan, and your fame warrants that you're on there. There's a lot of people that listen to Sports Talk Radio, and I've been on the air better than a quarter century, and I know a lot of people know that I bleed SC, baby. That's awesome music. I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. I got to tell you, one of my great moments was when Ken was, I mean, he was red hot. I mean, Ken's as good as you get, Brad, right there with the college football. You know, he was like 20, you know, I'm 24 and 7 in this situation, you know. And every time he did it, I played that song. And he wanted to get it out, but then he got, I had more good feedback from that. They they said, I think Ken's going to come over the table. <laughs> no, no, the best was, though, was last year because I said, well, if I was, you know, if I were them, I would buy Ken Thompson's pick. And RJ just started laughing. He goes, wait, wait, did you just use Ken Thompson in the third person? <laughs> and that was the best. And that's when you threw that special up there. And it was awesome. And I, we ended up going on a really hot run, both me and Brad, and uh, made a lot of money for a lot of people last yeah. year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you like Utah. I do like Utah. I think Utah is the best team in the Pac-12, and they're the only team that has a shot, as far as I'm concerned, in the playoff. Zach Moss is the real deal. This guy's one of the best running backs in the country. Huntley is a guy that's capable at quarterback, and the defensive line is the best in college football, RJ. So they will get after the freshman Slovis, and Malapai, the running back that's done everything for SC so far out of the backfield, he's banged up. So... It's going to be trouble for Slovis, the freshman, to have time to get the ball to this great receiving core of Vaughn's Pittman Jr. and St. Brown. I'm looking for Utah to take care of business because, trust me, Kyle Whittingham remembers that one-point loss at the Coliseum two years ago. So not only is he focused, of course, because he wants to win the Pac-12, but he remembers this game and this venue. So, Brad, first of all, if you have your Pac-12 teams, who's ranked number one? Oregon's number one. So you got Oregon over and Utah second? Utah second, then Washington's third. So you you like Utah the best, Brad? I do. I or, think Utah's. I think Utah's so physical that they would bowl over Oregon's line and get pressure. Are they on playing Herbert. the regular season? No, I don't think so this year. No, huh. that'd be interesting. I hope that works out that they end up those two because I did pick Oregon to win the North. I think they win in Washington. All right, so let's get Fezix first. He leans Utah. Oh, a favorable schedule spot. Utah just off some easy home games. Northern Illinois and Idaho State. Uh, might as well have been a bye, he says, parenthetically. USC off two tough games, Stanford and BYU, at altitude. It's like he's a PhD, like he's an MD, like with altitude. How does he know how it affects him? I guess he is Waikiki or the rest of the island at altitude. <laughs> I think the rest of the island. Yeah. And, oh, just beat Tennessee. So this is all connected. Just a lean, turnover luck, USC minus four, Utah plus four. That's interesting. So, Ken, you've got – it's kind of funny. You've got a really anti-wise guy or also known as Square that you believe that, that turnovers are less luck than most people think. I do because you got to call, you have to cause a lot of turnovers. Yeah, there's deflected passes at the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, if you get in and you sack the quarterback and he fumbles, you, you deserve that turnover. You yeah, caused it. I, I do think as I've been evolving my thinking because I'm always skeptical of just being on you know, one side and, and not evolving – is I do think that one correlation is pressure on the quarterback to turnovers. It's just so rare for there to be a correlation. They, I mean, the heavy math guys have done it and said, well, if you're plus seven one year, 
you should have a better chance of being plus the next year. And in the NFL, it's not the case. Now, maybe it's back to what we've talked about with Alabama, where when you have the physical superiority like they do, they get more special teams touchdowns. Maybe there are more strip sacks. Maybe, you know, so that's interesting. But then the question is, in the games that they're favored by 30, the teams that are superior, maybe they do get more, more turnovers. But what happens when they play someone comparable? That factor's gone. You know, that's interesting. So just talking this through, it seems like if you've got a dominant team and the reason that you're thinking they're better than you might have thought is because they're getting more margin, if there are turnovers, that's probably something it's obviously causing or helping the margin, but it might not be something that transfers. You know how like a team yeah. will win, let's say they're laying 28, they win by 44, right? You think, oh, they exceeded expectations. Yeah. If they win by 21, you think they fell short, yeah. and they have. But if what's causing that margin, if it's turnovers, maybe that's something that does that is applicable against these lesser teams, but it wouldn't be when they play a comparable Strong team. Strong point, yep. So RJ, here's the other thing. BYU played Utah, right? They've already played. Now, of course, Utah's after USC played BYU. If BYU pressured Slovis enough that he threw three interceptions, Utah's pressure is even more so than BYU. USC's at home, and Helton's done very well there, so that negates a little bit of that. But I'm just telling you, this freshman's going to be under duress all day long, and SC's in a lot of trouble in this game. And he did last week, RJ, panic and throw some picks that didn't deserve to be there. The ball shouldn't have been thrown in those spots. So let's start there, Brad, is... We've gone back and forth on the freshman. Initially, you were like, hey, this is a big downgrade. He played pretty well. You said, hmm, maybe these freshmen are doing better than I thought. Now, another opinion. Yeah, another tightrope here. Yeah, I think I'm a little down on Keaton Slovis at this point. But watch him go out and perform, and I'll be like, hey, RJ, thumbs up. All good for Keaton Slovis. And why is that? Because I'm being a little square with that. No, but what I'm saying is what's caused you to reconsider? Well, to me, last week it was what KT said. I Ken's mean, cracking up at this. Yeah, point. <laughs> three interceptions. I mean, he, he looked like an All-American against Stanford. And, and maybe the reevaluation is, hey, maybe Stanford's just not very good because Stanford has faced two true freshman quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks. And those two true freshman quarterbacks have arguably had performances of the week. That would be a concern there where Slovis finally got some duress against the defense and didn't look like Bart looked like a three-star recruit not a five-star you done dancing yeah I'm done dancing by the way I'm not so sure I agree with you Ken with the whole home in a way but here's the question with Houghton I know the numbers look like home but is it that or is it being a favor so when he's at home he's 21 and three straight up that's awesome 12 and 12 against the spread so compared to his other numbers, because overall he's 19 and 31, 12 and 12 is pretty good. But then if you split up as a dog, doesn't matter if it's home or away, one and 12 straight up, two and 11. Mm. So it seems like that this is one of those teams that get by on their physical superiority. And when they don't have that, when they play a better team, sloppiness, lack of game planning, whatever, schematics, they get beat. So I guess you're in a better position to be superior at home. But if I had to say play USC with Houghton uh, or fade them, I'd rather fade them as dogs than I would fade them on the road. But I guess they're going to almost always be road dogs these days. But 
What do you think of that question? Is it more about home or is it more about being a dog, Brian? I think the dog is exactly what you said. He can't, when it comes down to scheme, hey, we don't have as we don't have the talent edge as far as player personnel. Clay Helton gets out coached in those games, so the games they're expected to lose makes some sense there. All right, so what is you are what? I'm a like on Utah here. And, and so you, double like. Yep, double like. And I'll clarify Fez's schedule spot. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, this is a Friday game, so we got one last day uh, of preparation here. And I think that is the advantage that Utah is coming off of Northern Illinois, coming off of Idaho State, where last week you know they were putting in some USC prep work because this is the game everyone circled. Winner of this game is going to likely win the South Division. At least that was the thought process in the summer. And SC now off of an overtime game. And I just, to me, it's like almost like a lame duck situation at this point. I think if stuff I goes wonder, wrong, though, is... My understanding is, and this is just from reading, no inside info, Lynn Swan, there was this, uh, can you probably have more knowledge, or certainly have more knowledge. He got an extension, right? When was this, the extension Houghton got? He got an extension two years ago. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And they say the buyout is onerous. Mm. Yeah, cost prohibitive. Trust me, it's like Ohio State, man. If they want is you it? out at USC, nah, I don't think out. it's like Ohio State. The, these, well, I know they don't win as much as yeah. Ohio State. No, but the money—they've got money. Are you kidding me? All right, is that the people you sit with? Those are, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's everybody. They call them University of Spoiled Children for a yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just, maybe they're just feeling like football's passed them by. I think with the uh, Lynn Swan thing, I think it's some of this admission stuff that we've been seeing with Ooh. that varsity stuff, the varsity blue stuff, whatever they're calling it. That comes into play because there were some USC coaches that, involved that were you let think go. There's going to be some revelations. Swan's getting out first. Well, he he knows what's coming. You know, it's like kind of Pete Carroll. I'm going to Seattle. There's a great movie, and here's what we're going to do. Movie's called Margin Call, and it's a if you like financial kind of thrillers, it's great. It's on cable all the time. It was uh, about the 2008 crisis. But the guy who's the bigwig, it's funny, at the, mo- at the beginning of the movie, you think the one guy is the bigwig, and he is for that division. And then the president comes in, and he's like, you know, he's got four divisions under him. And then you hear a helicopter, like, you know, and it's the chairman of the board coming in. And it's just funny how each of them are different, but, you know, more, really, literally just more ruthless as they keep going up the ladder. And the guy says, uh, he wanted to sell everything. I mean, I guess it's not really giving anything away. And someone says, we shouldn't panic. We shouldn't panic. And he goes, it's not panicking if you're the first one to out the door. Right? Panicking <laughs> is everyone's running out and you're chasing after him. He's, he was saying, let's do it first. I think then Swan, it sounds like maybe he was out the door before <laughs> things started crashing down. Huh, Ken? Yeah, it was rather sudden that he uh, departed. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, hint, hint. All right, guys, here's what we got. We got our commercial break. Only one. Then it's Best Bats, and we're going to start in just a minute with Ken Thompson. These boys are doubling up. Why? Because the listeners are responding, and everyone who does helps us. I think it helps you. I never want you guys to do anything that doesn't help you. But if it helps you, and it helps me, and pregame, and the boys, all the better. So it's BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101, 100% bonus. And just think about it. How many times did you not get the best of it, right? You go to pregame.com, for example. You look at the Game Center, and you see, oh, man, 
man, there's some fours out there or sevens. And I didn't get it. And look at the look at the results. It's no secret, though most people who uh, do what I do don't talk about it because I guess there's no money to be made, so they don't talk about it. The easiest way to improve your results is more outs because what's the effort? You're getting a bonus. Yeah, you got to find a way to get the money there and all that. It's a little work, but, man, gaining that half point every third or fourth or fifth game, the work you'd have to do to match that with your handicapping, <laughs> and that's the thing. If you're an up-and-coming handicapper, you're aspiring, you think you almost got it, getting those half points can make that ride up the mountaintop so much easier because if you can gain about a one percentage point on your win from the better number enough and then you gain because you're better than a coin flip but not quite 52.38% to break even, the line edge can make up the difference. It certainly adds your net results. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101, B-E-L-L-101. And what you get is that 100% bonus. So you get to see if you get that extra out, and you get it with a bonus. Hard to beat. Lastly, Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Now, what do we have to say about Yahoo is, and let's be candid, big money they're putting up. They're trying to... You know, come back in a race. They're not in front. So what do they do? They throw money at it. As a player, I love that. When I see any business that I can potentially engage with feeling like, hey, we'll lose some money now in order to win big later. Okay, great. Give me some of that. If you're given like some contest in handicapping, and this is what one of the Jersey books did. They had, There was a, supposed to be a big overlay, and there was, whereas – they were guaranteeing, I think it was like, if there were like 100 entrants, I think, and there was only 70, that's the definition of an overlay. To me, when you see a company like Yahoo that's trying to win with the, quali- with the, the, the cash in the offer, worth taking advantage of if you play Daily Fantasy. At minimum, it's worth taking a look at. So you go to yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy and back to the show. All right, what good show from you guys. I thought Ken was especially good today. Brad, you're a little off. You feeling all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Just a little off. You, did you feel a little off? What? By you taking advantage of me on the Michigan? <laughs> I said you can buy it out. Yeah, I know. No, no way. Best bet time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece. Give us a piece of your mind, Ken. All right, I'm going to go with Texas A&M at College Station. I look back at two games, Auburn, their game against Oregon, which I feel very beneficial. They get their first lead with nine seconds left. They were outplayed in a lot of that game. They found a way to get it done. Easy schedule after that. Texas A&M, the game when they went to Death Valley against Clemson, and I've read reports that they were dominated. Look, when I watch that game back and I look at the stats, they were not dominated. They had the ball 33 minutes. They had 11 more plays than Auburn. 
I thought that they were in control of the game. You're four minutes into the second quarter at Clemson, and you're shutting out the Tigers on their home field with this great quarterback, best running back, Etienne. Etienne had 16 carries for 53 yards in that game. I really thought A&M played an outstanding game, but they just did not score, did not take advantage of their trips in the red zone and in Clemson territory. Isaiah Spiller's got to step in now as the running back. I think he'll help out and compliment Mond, but it's really that 12th man there at College Station that's going to get them over the top. Plus, you have a freshman quarterback, Bo Nix, his first start on the road. Yes, the game against Oregon was at Jerry's house. There were 60-40, Brad tells me, as far as what he thinks the crowd uh, advantage there for Auburn over Oregon because Oregon traveled very well. But this is one of the toughest places to win for an opposing coach. Not only do I think A&M has a chance to beat Auburn, I think they have a chance to beat Alabama there later on in the year. But I'll take them here, minus the four. I like A&M to win this game by 10-plus. Boy, Brad, that was better than any of your handicaps today. Yeah, I agree. What do you think? I lean lean Texas A&M. And the question that I have is, Kellen Mond. Did you like any games today? Yeah, I did. I don't remember. Give me me them. All right. Like Utah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, One. Like Northwestern. Two. Uh, like Washington. Three. And I got my best bets, four. Four. And the other one's Trez's best bet, five. So there's a double best bet coming up, or I guess a, a best bet and a like. Yep. Boy, a lot of agreement. It's weird. It is weird. Go ahead. Oh, what's your take on, on Ken's pig? I lean with, I agree. I lean with Texas A&M. And, and to so me, what's stopping you? What's stopping me is, you know, Texas A&M offensively, uh, especially against Clemson, Kellen Mond, I was expecting to have a big game. He had a big game against Clemson the year prior, in my opinion, against a more talented Clemson defense and just looked a little shaky because pressure got in his face. And I think Auburn, especially their defensive front, is capable of getting in Kellen Mond's face. And now he doesn't have his starting running back behind him like he did in the Clemson game. So that's a little bit of a worry for me. College football, the biggest thing, though, when you look at – Death Valley, major home field advantage for for Clemson. I mean, if you told me another team, I don't care Alabama or anybody, that's going to go in there with Lawrence, this greatest quarterback of all times, and shut them out for the first 19 minutes on their field. They were beating them 3-0, and they had a chance to get another touchdown, and they screwed it up inside the five-yard line. But this A&M team played very, very well. And like I said, they had nine more plays than Clemson. They had the ball six more minutes than Clemson on Clemson's home field. So I think a deceiving score, 24-10. Yes, they get a backdoor cover on the last play on a fourth down. Boy, he squatted you down there. But at the end end of the day, Auburn has not been tested on the road. And this, Jimbo Fisher, this will be the best home field advantage for any A&M game. And then they're going to parlay this into a chance to beat Alabama if they win this game. If there has been one thing that's exceeded expectations with A&M this year, it's been that defense. Like you mentioned, they lost their top six tacklers from a year ago. And I've had my question marks, but they've been as good. I mean, this was Texas A&M defense two, three years ago. That's all everyone was saying. They Can Texas A&M ever get over the hump defensively? With Mike Elko as a defensive corner, one of the best in the country, they certainly pay him like one. They're trending way upwards here. Okay, so best bet, Ken on Texas A&M. Now, Ken's packing up, but let's do this first. Fezzik's best bet is on... Who's he got here? I'm going back. One second. All right. He, oh, he's got the Central Florida game, and yep. he's on Pitt plus 12. Ken, why don't you give us your take on this first, and then I'll read Fazek's. I think he's on the right side. Look, I like this Central Florida team, and, yes, they made Stanford look badly. But uh, look just bad to be clear, you lean Pitt, right? I lean Pitt because the line's 12. If you got to the dance early and got 14, which is what it was, 
then you have a good and, number. And, and remember now, it's important because uh, with you, you're not here every day. So, like, to me, there's nothing more irritating right. than when someone ta- – like, they never, ever seem to be betting into the current numbers some magical way. And I respect that, but it's not good media. So I get it. You get the best – you know, you're here in town. But in a way, when you lean or like something, if you didn't have a bet on it, would you like it? Meaning I get you'd rather get plus 14 than plus 12, right? Obviously. Yeah, there's still question marks yeah, because, this, because this freshman quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, has been that good for Central Florida. And it just seems like their system doesn't skip a beat. And they have so much speed that they take advantage of slower teams. Now, Pittsburgh's defense, I think they have one of the best linemen in the entire country in Jalen Twyman. And I was on them, RJ. That was my one play in the early games last week was plus 14 and a half against or plus 17 and a half against Penn State. Never needed it. Never in doubt. It's a very physical Pittsburgh defense. Their offense, Kenny Pickett, they need to get in the end zone when they get inside the red zone. That's been the problem. They should have beaten Penn State. That's how good they were as far as the game plan. They have two outstanding receivers in French and Mack. Hopefully these guys can do some damage offensively because they're probably going to have to score points, but I think they're going to disrupt the freshman Gabriel, and remember, Wimbush is there, and Mack is also healthy now, too. So you have three quarterbacks to choose from if you're hypo, but I just like the physicality of this Pittsburgh team, and that's why I took him against Penn State, RJ. So just to be clear, in that real impressive you know, rattling off, did you slip in that you had a winner and it was an easy winner? Easy winner, the only game last week. Or out of that, wait, and then Central Florida was my next standalone game, a blowout over Stanford, went 3-0-1 on pregame last week. Got to take advantage yeah. of couldn't a good you see week. Ken, yeah. Couldn't you see Ken walking out to like a radio yeah. show? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> or do yeah. the hustle. <laughs> now, last question. All joking aside. Oh, this is great. Um, <laughs> I think I just came up with a new theory. And I, I really feel very strongly there's something here. My new theory. Oh, it, <laughs> I, I see the mistake Fez makes. Fez says everyone's excited about this team. They've been scoring. They've just had a big win. Whatever it is, it gets the public behind a new team. And I think if there's nothing new about the team, whereas let's say it's just the Cowboys in 94 or whatever, they've been winning, they've been winning, or like the Patriots now. I love fading when they look extra good. Because I think we feel very confident. We generally know how good they are. And then there's a premium on top of it. I don't think we know. I mean, Central Florida has, is up so, how many points in your rate? Four points. So, you, I mean, after how many games? Three games. So, you didn't know. What were they in the AP when the season started? Unranked? No, they were in the 20 to 25. And now they're up 10 slots or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. So... I don't think we know how good Central Florida is. And you know what else? I don't think we know how good Kansas City is. Fez has lost more money fading Mahomes. Yeah. And I refuse to let him do it. His best bet was the Raiders last week, or one of the, his best bets. He, I wouldn't let him put it on the Super Contest. It's like, how much money are we going to lose this <laughs> Mahomes? And it's like, we don't get There's something they're doing. At some point, you got to just get away from the freight train. Yep. And that's different than if you fade a team – because you think they're overvalued, and this is back to, is it on the field or is it pricing? If you fade a team because the pricing's inflated and they win and cover, 
as long as you don't see anything new, you just keep doing it. You're going to get a couple of points or whatever you're getting, and that's going to be your edge. But when you're just playing wrong about a team again and again, at what point are you going to say, maybe there's something I don't know? And the public will often be on that team because they're exciting. Doesn't mean they're overvalued, though. That's strong. I'm not really anxious to get in front of Central Florida myself either. Now, do I want to pick on Fez again? So what's your lean on this? Oh, you like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I do like Go ahead, make your case. And I think, you know, the advantage that UCF had last week was against a Stanford team that was very tired and and were worn out. And UCF got behind their crowd last week. So what were they tired and worn out from? Uh, the heat and humidity of, uh, oh, you're ten- saying, oh, wait, you, but you're saying the second half, they were tired. What was the score at halftime? It was 38 to seven. So when were they tired? I'm, I'm, I'm not getting it. <laughs> I guess at the start of the game, they weren't. <laughs> How? How were they the- tired? <laughs> they're going to face a much stiffer test. So now this we're week. changing your handicap. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to face a much stiffer test against that Pittsburgh defensive front than what they did. A no, I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering when they were tired. You're, you're retracting. No. I guess I think there is mispricing here, and, and I just compared the line last week. Okay, Penn State. Hold on a second. Ken's walking out. <laughs> See you next week, Ken. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to restart my handicap. Not my best of shows here. So here's where I think the mispricing is. Let's compare the Pitt-Penn State line from last week. Pitt was right around a 17-point road underdog at Penn State. I think we know how good Penn State. They've been pretty consistent the last three years. So now this line here says Central Florida, a 12-point road favorite at Pitt. You flip the home one away. Okay, UCF's about an 18, 19-point favorite. If they were hosting Pitt, that seems a so little where, pricey to me. where's Penn State ranked right now? I have Penn State 14th. So you're 13th, saying? 13th, 13th. And UCF? 16th. So I think Penn State's a little bit better than UCF. So I think there is a lot of value okay, here. Okay, and, and that that I'm starting to understand. So because Pitt overperformed in that game, yes, right? they did. They almost won outright. Now, was there any matchup advantages? I mean, was there anything? I mean, we know it's in state. We know that, you yeah. know, but that was built on the line in theory. Yeah, I, I think what did help. Out I like that. Yeah, I mean, what, what I'm saying is that makes sense to me. Yes, uh, what. What I, I would say the bad weather helped the big underdog kind of slowed the turf down for for Penn State that it was wet and a little now, bit but muddy. Was that known before the game? Amazingly, no. The market never even moved on the total. Okay, so it was because a seventeen ten game, and the, the total didn't even move. I was even mentioning that to Fez. I'm like, why didn't that line move as far as the total goes? All right, that's it on the game. No, well, I think there's a, a difference in this year's Pittsburgh team that matches up better than what they did last year when UCF beat them by 31 points, and that is style on the offensive side of the ball. Pitt is throwing it all over the field with Kenny Pickett. Back-to-back 300 yards passing. They have a new offensive coordinator. Keep in mind, last year, Pitt didn't top 200 yards passing in 13 of their 14 games. Now, off back-to-back 300-yard performances, if they want to go score for score, with UCF, I think they're capable of doing it this year. They weren't a year ago. All right. One game left. It's Brad's best bet. Now, listen, here's the thing you got to know. Brad, I think if you were a new listener to the pod, you'd say Brad was fine. It's just he's usually a star, and the star was dim. Any particular reason? No, I don't know. Just, you know, hey, we have the bio metrics. We don't always know when yeah. we're up or down. You think you can muster it up and kind of redeem yep, yep, yourself? Yep. What are you doing? Wise guy don't carry his money in a wallet. Hey, wise guy carries money in a roll. Brad's best bet.
This is one of the biggest matchup edges I've seen. My best bet's going to be on Georgia, minus 14 over Notre Dame. And here's the matchup. Let's start with the offensive line for Georgia, average weight, 329 pounds per man, Georgia's offensive line. Average defensive line, average weight for Notre Dame's defensive line, 273 pounds. That's 56 pounds of difference. Normally, you see that when you got a Power 5 team playing, you know, a service academy, not two top 10 teams having a disparity of 50-plus pounds here. And let's look at how that undersized Notre Dame defense has done so far this year against Louisville and New Mexico. Notre Dame's rush defense has allowed 230 rush yards per game, five yards per carry. Now they face one of the best rushing offenses in the country. And to me, I fully expect Georgia to wear Notre Dame out in the second half, extend margin, best bet Georgia minus 14. Okay, so do we look to play it at halftime? Plus, you can play the second halves at Circa now. I, I do. I, I will be certainly looking at that, RJ. Mm, that sounds like a Fezzik answer. Yeah. It, so have you seen Circa's second half line on this? I am not. Okay, uh, you want to check the app? Yep. Because to me, what I'm thinking is that if you believe that, why not get down on the second half? Because do, I, I can do it right on here. All right, but let's see yeah. what that. So first of all, what do you think the number should be if you didn't have this handicap? So usually on a fourteen point line, what would the second half be? What's the first half? First half would probably be like eight. You know, splitting the difference, eight six. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think in this handicap, I'm willing to lay nine. Okay, but remember, in the second half, we're, we're in theory we'd only be laying six. Yep. So you're willing to lay nine when it's six. That's interesting. So as you're looking it up. I've got to tell you, it's just occurred to me what the student body has been chanting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name Voodoo. And those aren't up yet right now. Okay. So if you're betting halftime. So that's interesting. Why don't you make a commitment? Yep. You're going to be watching this game, right? Yep. At halftime, you'll, you'll tweet out if you have a halftime pick. Absolutely. Meaning based on the situation. Yes. So it's at Brad Powers. Seven, all one word, Brad Power seven. What's the seven, Brad? Don't know yet. <laughs> Be a big reveal. I'm guessing it doesn't have to do with uh, the carnal pursuits. <laughs> oh, jeez. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Hey, guys, NFL tomorrow. I want to just apologize in a way because... I told you our 67%, I guess entering the very end of the year last year, then we went meta, we went game theory. Um, I said there's no way we were going to match it, and I was right. But, ha-ha, 60% so far, baby. I got to tell you, I wonder if I'm better than Faz. I talked him off of so many freaking losers, and I was trying (laughs) to talk him on to New England. It came to me Friday night. That if there was any game that Belichick wanted to make a statement, this was it because it was the double. Miami had beaten them five out of six. And this Antonio Brown stuff was a distraction, at least perceived to be. He wanted to show it wasn't. Mm. And I was so ready to fire. And, you know, Fez with the duct tape on his shoes. He's like, no, we can't lay it. It's like, well, there's been 27 favorites over uh, 18 or above at that point, and they're 17 and 10 ATS, so it's not like at a certain point the value's not on the dog. No, no. Still, somehow, (laughs) I'm dragging us to 60%. You'll see those picks made live tomorrow. Subscribe. 
Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do, what do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead is out now. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.